Sony. Hello, Canada. Today's date is May 1st, 2022. Happy May Day. Welcome to a full edition of Canadian Common Sense, Canada's Issues in Under an Hour. It is Tony in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in sunny BC. You will now be happy to know that Canadian astronauts can no longer murder, rape, and pillage in space. <laughs> I feel so much safer now that I know that. Yes, that's a new <laughs> law passed by the Canadian government. Wow, because they've got nothing better to do. Yeah, because <laughs> there's never been a crime committed in space yet, but that's you're, now they're not allowed to. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> and it's good that we all know that now. So. Yes. <laughs> all right, Canada. Go ahead. And I just, I just want to make a quick shout out to Ashley. Uh, she uh, sent us a um, a message, kind of confirming my rant last week about the uh, about the, the worker shortages across Canada. Um, I mean, she was uh, she's from a different part of the country. I believe she's from Ontario. And uh, and she was confirming everything that I'm experiencing out here is also happening in Ontario. So I just wanted to uh, to say thank you for for that message. And um, yeah, we're uh, it's uh, it's a bit of a crap show across Canada right now, and uh, you can lay all the blame right at the foot of the government. So uh, thanks, Ashley, for sending that, and let's carry on with the show absolutely yeah and uh just one more kind of housekeeping item i want to throw out there is i just want to give a huge shout out to matea roach for those of you who don't recognize that name she is a 23 year old student from halifax who's now living in toronto who has been kicking ass and taking names on jeopardy she has now won 19 straight games on Jeopardy. Uh, she's got a winnings of over $460,000 US. And what I love the most about her is when talking to a reporter, she said, it's really sad that I've got to get on a game show and win, win big just to afford to buy a house in Canada. Boom. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true enough. Well, she's right. Canada and New Zealand, I believe, are the two most expensive uh or you know, other unaffordable jurisdictions where you can buy a house. So, yeah, it's a bit ridiculous. There's no reason for it. No, there's not. Well, there's lots of reasons for it, and they're well, all yeah. they're all government. But yeah, it's what I what I meant was <laughs> there should be no reason for it. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah, so yeah. so yeah. keep kicking ass, Batea. You are doing your country proud. All right. So on the show today, Rolling Thunder. An inquiry into the Freedom Convoy, Bill C-5, and an Ontario budget. And more. Where do you want to start, sir? Well, let's start right at the top. Let's talk about Rolling Thunder. Absolutely. The media was doing their best to say there's another Nazi convoy coming into Ottawa. But instead, it was just a bunch of bikers. And then, of course... Following the pattern of the Freedom Convoy, remember when Justin Trudeau had said, oh, it's 10 or 12 trucks? I've heard some uh, 
reported some of the talk shows trying to dismiss the freedom or the sorry the rolling thunder saying oh it's going to be just a handful of bikers and they'll they'll be outnumbered by police officers and again because this is what we do on canadian common sense looking at social media realizing that oh there's actually a crap ton of bikes rolling through ottawa peacefully not waving nazi flags just driving through town and putting their message out there were people marching peacefully yeah hardly a small handful of bikers at all yeah and they did their best to try and uh, make it sound like it was getting violent too well i did hear that they said there was uh, seven arrests and three vehicles were towed and the only violence i saw and it wasn't even violence but it was police threatening some dude who had a canadian flag on his car no, so, and, and isn't this something I said um, back before, or, well, back during the Freedom Convoy, I said I was afraid that the display in the Canadian flag was going to be deemed offensive, and um, and it has become that. Uh, if you're displaying the Canadian flag, you're automatically assumed to be a white wing, right-wing extremist. Yeah, you're right. It's... Uh... It's really sad because even when uh, you you see them anywhere in our own communities now, that's the association the media wants you to take. And I uh, I still feel pride and I smile when I see someone sporting a Canadian flag in their vehicle. Yep, because I know they're a right wing extremist. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. No, it's 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 ridiculous. I mean. They, uh, I mean, everything that they said about the Freedom Convoy has been proven to be false now, uh, including the attempt to burn down a, an apartment building. Because um, the people who were trying to burn down the apartment building had nothing to do with the Freedom Convoy. Um, and everything that they've been trying to say about Rolling Thunder is not true, too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, so, Rolling Thunder, for those who who don't know the background, it's another protest against the vaccine mandates and government overreach. So I'm glad that they're doing it. And it's, and the government hasn't uh, relented one bit. In fact, they've doubled down. There was a slew of uh, federal workers who just got their notice. They're, uh, they're gone now. There's been thousands of healthcare workers been fired across the country for not getting their vaccines. And what's sad is... I can use the numbers for Saskatchewan. People in Saskatchewan have effectively stopped getting booster shots. And COVID numbers and deaths are going down, not up. Yeah, it, it's... The, the only reason to have these mandates, like to have, to have a vaccine mandate, especially in healthcare, the only reason for it is because you want to prevent the healthcare workers from passing the virus on to patients. That's, that would be the only reason for it. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. And then, uh, and and yet, and yet we know that the vaccine does not stop transmission. So why do we have it? Yeah, it doesn't stop transmission. It doesn't stop you from catching it, uh, and you are living proof. So, yeah, I mean, it's uh, 
there's no need to have a mandate. So uh, as far as I'm concerned, I can't wait for the next protest to hit Ottawa. Now, what I found was a little funny was uh, Mayor Jim Watson of Ottawa was all over the, the power and politics and power play this week, this past week, I should say, saying, oh, we're not going to put up with any any kind of BS, essentially, and they want to cause trouble, we're going to be ready for them. We've deputized as many as 800 RCMP officers already. We're setting up an exclusion zone and blocking people off. And then, uh, then of course, they had to relent and say, well, I mean, if the people have to be on those streets for essential purposes, like they work there, they live there, etc. So it's like, okay, so what you're saying is you just don't want those filthy bikers around, but anybody else is okay. That's exactly what they're saying. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, it's really unfortunate. But uh, bikers so, are scary. Bikers are scary. Look at them all with all those big beards and tattoos. I mean, what do they think they're in the Canadian Armed Forces? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, they don't have dyed, you know, purple and green hair. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> And um, so now I, th I believe that there was going to be an event actually today at the War Memorial in Ottawa as part of the, the Rolling Thunder. And Chris Sky was scheduled to speak at it. So I don't know if that is still going to go on or not. And uh, I know there was some, some of the organizers were uncomfortable with Chris Sky being there. I don't know enough about him to have an opinion about it. I know he's a big mouth, but I don't really know his background. So do you know anything about him? Uh, no, I don't. Okay, so yeah, I'm not sure why he's controversial, and maybe if anybody out there in in the listenership knows why he's controversial, by all means, send us a message because I know nothing about him other than his name. So, yeah, me neither. Okay, so hopefully that all goes well. It's been a very peaceful protest so far. It's been much like the Freedom Convoy, where people are actually just having a good time, walking hand in hand. Uh, I did see a, a march on foot yesterday uh, where people were just holding up some signs, you know, wanting for their freedom back, carrying flags, and, you know, yet again, having a lot of fun like they were in the Freedom Convoy. So keep it up. I like bikers. Yep. All right. Let's move on to, since we mentioned the Freedom Convoy, the inquiry into the Freedom Convoy. Now, I'm... Uh, I'm not surprised, but I'm actually really pissed off that Justin Trudeau has set the table so that this inquiry is not actually an inquiry into the government at all. It's actually an inquiry into the convoy itself. So now he has appointed this Justice Rouleau. Um, I should actually back that up. He appointed Justice Rouleau to the bench in the first place. And now Justice Rouleau has been appointed to lead this inquiry, which I believe has until February to report. But the government set the parameters that they're going to be studying, well, the convoy, period. They want to study the circumstances that led to the declaration of the Emergencies Act and the measures taken in the Emergencies Act, which will include the evolution of the convoy, the impact of funding and disinformation, and the economic impact of the convoy. Where in there are we uh, inquiring about the Emergencies Act itself, Lewis? Well, it doesn't sound like we are. And I mean, I thought that's what the uh, inquiry was supposed to be about. It was supposed to be about um, getting the uh, uh, in 
investigating whether or not the federal government had uh, a, um, a a right to invoke the Emergencies Act. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's like I just said, I mean, I think the like the inquiry is not supposed to be into the Freedom Convoy itself. It's supposed to be into the government's actions in calling for the uh, Emergencies Act to be invoked. Yeah, well, I don't get that. I mean, as part of the Emergencies Act, it even says that, you know, within 60 days of the revocation of the Act, an inquiry must be, be called, and they've decided to skirt the process and this bloody government always does this they skirt around the process to try to you know get the blame off of themselves and what they've done here is they've just they've just changed the rules the it's i mean the inquiry is supposed to be about like exactly what you said about the government's actions about was it necessary to invoke the emergencies act in the first place and because that was already proven within the first day of the act being invoked, Justin Trudeau and crew know that they, uh, they were wrong. So now they've decided to change the rules so that they put all of the blame on the freedom convoy. It's just, yeah. it drives me bloody insane. Yeah. And I mean, and I don't know how they can do that, how they can just change the rules. I mean, it's, it's in the act itself. And, and I mean, and then on top of it, they appointed a former Liberal MP. Of course. Uh, to oversee this, right? Like, I mean, do you, does anybody think that they're actually going to have a fair uh, inquiry? No, of course they're not. And um, as a side note, I forgot to mention this with the uh, with Rolling Thunder. Justin Trudeau oh, just happened to take a personal day yesterday when the the convoy came into town. So just like he did with the uh, when the Freedom Convoy hit Ottawa. Yeah. When he well, suddenly caught COVID. I've got a lot of things to say about that. Just I don't think I can say them on the air. Yeah, exactly. So it's uh, but yeah, but back to the inquiry. It's it's just so frustrating that this government continues to get away with this kind of BS. And it's, uh, I don't know if it's a matter of poor opposition, if it's just a matter of the arrogance on the part of the government, but they continually change the rules and change the game to benefit them. And it's, it's frustrating as hell because now we're never going to get to the bottom of, well, what happened in the, uh, with the invocation of the Emergencies Act, because they've already said that there's matters of cabinet confidence that Justice Rouleau will not be allowed to to examine and won't be allowed to see. So uh, I want to know what those are. Well, and the thing is, is isn't he like isn't he a judge? He is. Well. How can you keep that kind of information away from a judge? A judge knows that, you know, confidential uh, information remains confidential. I mean, it's not like he's going to go and start telling, you know, CTV power play all about it um, or posting it on his blog or something. You know, I mean, he's he's a 
supposed to be a professional judge. So it's like, I mean, I, I don't understand. I, I mean, the, the whole inquiry is, I mean, under the Emergencies Act, the inquiry is to examine the government's actions and to uh, to declare whether or not the government was, you know, right to invoke the Emergencies Act. And how do you do that without the relevant information? Well, that's what I'm wondering. And uh, and you make a good point. I mean, the man is a judge. He he knows that he what what he sees is for his eyes only. And it really handcuffs him because now how does he call witnesses? How does he, well, how does he do his job when his parameters have been set up to look at the other side of the coin? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't make, I, I don't get it. I mean, what, what are the, what are the consequences and who enforces them if the inquiry does not, follow the guidelines set out by the Emergencies Act? That's a really good question. I mean, and I'm tired of the answer being, oh, just wait till the next election and we can judge him then. We won't do that. We'll just elect him again. Yeah, because that's what Canadians do. We go, oh, man, I've been getting kicked in the teeth. But, you know, they promised they weren't going to do it again. Yeah, that, that sounds right? about right. Yep. And then they do it again, and people go, oh, my God, I can't believe they're kicking me in the teeth again. They promised me they wouldn't. Oh, but guess what? They're promising they're not going to do it again. I believe them. You know, it's like it's like people just are like, oh, they're promising to give me uh, some relief from getting kicked in the teeth, so I'm going to take it. You know, <laughs> like, it's it's unbelievable. And I've said this, I don't know how many years I've said this on this show, probably right from the very beginning, um, because I know myself and I probably have. <laughs> um, I've always said that Canadians have an extremely high tolerance for liberal corruption and they have no tolerance whatsoever for conservative politicians. And... So they'll put up with liberal corruption like that, that just makes the rest of us shake our heads. And, and they'll put up with it. They'll continue to put up with it because they would rather have liberal corruption than conservative policies. Yeah, it's really sad. I mean, that, that, that's exactly true. And really this inquiry is, well, it is liberal corruption because it's our corrupt liberal government covering their own asses and shifting all the blame onto the freedom convoy. And I got to give credit to some of the mainstream media that are actually now stating now that everything's all over. Well, the blockades at Windsor and Coots were actually taken down through already existing laws. Well, duh, we had said that right at the very outset when that happened. Yeah, and I mean, because I mean, those, those border crossing blockades were actually taken down the day before the uh, the Emergencies Act was invoked. Yeah, and, and Trudeau's trying to claim that there was some inside information and secret threats that 
only they, they, he and cabinet had access to, which was justification for invoking the act. Well, I think he's full of it. Oh, he absolutely is full of it. I mean, I, I just find it very interesting how the, the media right now is starting to, you know, take this. Um, well, we didn't really need the Emergencies Act um, stance when they all were parroting the government's line that we can't deal with this without the Emergencies Act back when they invoked it. Well, because there's no risk for them now to be on the side of what is actually true, right? There's no election going on. There's no crisis. It's just yeah. a, it's a big sham. Well, and I mean, like, they, they I, I think I even sent you a screenshot of, um, of uh, CBC... Uh, what was it? It's a, it's a show hosted by Ian Hanamansing on CBC, and and the question on the screen that I sent you was, has your trust and confidence in politicians and health officials been affected by their handling of COVID? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was cross country checkup. Yeah, and it's uh, yeah. Where where the hell was that question a month ago? Two months ago. Well, and it's coming from the same network that would have accused you of being a right-wing extremist for even suggesting that your confidence was being shaken. Yeah, good point. Or that, or that they weren't handling it correctly. Like, they, they, were, they would have called you a conspiracy theorist or a right-wing extremist for even suggesting that. And now they're the ones suggesting that maybe things weren't handled right. And it's like... You know, where were you when things weren't actually being handled right? Yeah, exactly. They were calling everybody who disagreed with the government a bunch of right-wing extremists. Yeah, and I mean, and that's why, you know, even our little show has probably has more viewers than CBC News. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, because uh, we actually, we're not afraid to tell the truth. Wow, what yeah. a concept. No, in fact, we insist on it. I mean, we don't, we're not just not afraid of telling the truth. We insist on telling the truth because, and, and I mean, we might be wrong, but we're being honest. And that's what people want nowadays is honesty. Yep. Good point. Actually, that's a good segue into our next segment because uh, you had sent me a screenshot of a liberal motion that they, uh, well, where they were actually asking for the right to be dishonest. Yeah. Yeah, this one, I mean, at this point, I'm not shocked by anything. But they're trying to get, and they call them temporary powers. Kind of sounds like an Emergencies Act situation. Doesn't it? Uh, to shut down Parliament, I guess, you know, basically to prorogue Parliament. And to um, introduce late-night sittings without opposition. Like, they can just unilaterally decide to do this. Yeah, and uh, not just that. They can also um, they can do this anytime they want. So really, mid-debate, they can just decide to, to shut the, the whole thing down too, correct? That's right, yeah. 
and then introduce late night sittings when you know nobody else wants to be there um, so that they can you know get just enough MPs in there to hold a quorum and then they can uh, pass whatever legislation they want in the middle of the night yeah that sounds like a tactic one would see I don't know I'm, th I'm thinking probably not in, in a western democratic country but probably in a place like I don't know North Korea maybe or um, maybe China or you know Iran or something like that but not Canada. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, it's just uh, temporary powers. Well, temporary powers suggest that there's an, an immediate need for this. So what would that immediate need be, Tony? Well, I think the immediate need would be to cover Justin Trudeau's ass. Yeah, because what's, what's, what's happening, you know, right now? Well, we have a government that is has spent us into oblivion, is looking for every possible way they can to tax us, and oh hey, they've they happen to have some protests coming coming to their hometown. And there's an inquiry into the Emergencies Act. And that little thing. So at any time when the heat starts getting a little too hot they can just say, oh, we're shutting down this this sitting of parliament. And then that puts a hold on the um, on any uh, uh, committee hearings or anything. Yep, that's right. And if you don't think that he will do it, think again. Oh, no, he absolutely would do it. He's done it before. Yep, exactly. So, uh, I mean, I believe he actually called an election to to uh, avoid the uh, the ethics committee. As a matter from, of fact, he did. Yeah. So, I mean, he he's willing to do anything to avoid responsibility. Yeah, absolutely. So it's uh, yeah, it's really pathetic. You know, it really is. Well, and, and I mean, this is this is a scary, scary time in in the history of Canada. And I think I said this on one of our last shows. I said, you know, there's always this point when you're reading a history book where where the thought crosses your mind of like when you're reading about, um, you know, um, the uh, uh, 1920s, well, 1930s in Germany, or you're reading about. Uh, you know, Mussolini, or you're reading about any of these, you know, historical events where a tyrant comes into power. And you, whenever you're reading about these historic moments, you're always, there's, there's always this moment where, where the thought crosses your mind, how did they not see this happening? How did they let this happen? And I firmly believe that 2022 or 2020 to 2022 is going to be that period when future people look back at historical events and say, how did Canadians let that happen? 
And I think we're we're the, we're in that we're living that moment right now. Yeah, I th- I think you're right. It's yeah. I mean, we asked that question ourselves. Like, how does he keep skating uh, continually? I mean, how does he keep getting away with all this? And yeah, we keep letting him. The opposition keeps letting him. They make they pretend to make a fuss, but they say, "Oh, there's nothing we can do," and they they let it happen. Well, I mean, you look at the NDP, and I mean, they, they go on and on about how the country is being mismanaged and all of this kind of stuff, and then they turn around and they make a deal with the with the federal liberals to keep them in power until uh, until twenty twenty five. Yeah, so I mean, they're 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 complicit, completely complicit in all this. Oh yeah, they're completely complicit, and they're liars. Yep, that they are. So, all right, so let's uh, take a shift on to some other dishonest or at least disingenuous politicians ontario just dropped a budget 2022 which is never going to get voted on because well there's going to be an election call within days because the vote has to be on june 3rd so ontario and we do have listeners out there what you've been promised in this budget that will never get voted on is two new hospitals in the gta in one in brampton one in mississauga there's going to be a cut to the gasoline tax, and there's also going to be a ca- a canceling of the license plate sticker fees. Now, that's been a big issue in Ontario for quite some time. So now there will be no fee for renewing your license plate stickers every year. There's going to be $4 billion for highways. That's that's new spending. That's not just the uh, that new Bradford uh, interchange. Not interchange, uh now, now I've lost the word I was thinking of. Anyway, those who live there know what I'm talking about for Bradford. It's uh, it's going to be a bypass, effectively. So there's also going to be uh, tax cuts for those who are lower income. There's going to be money for seniors who want to stay at home, more tax credits. And and they're going to balance the budget within five years. I mean, it's, uh, this is just win, 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 and more wins, but... I shot shades of Obamacare. You've got to pass it to see what's in it. <laughs> well, I, I mean, it, there's they're promising two new hospitals. Well, where the hell are all these healthcare workers going to come from? Because I mean, across Canada, we fired I don't know how many of them, right? I mean, yes, it's in the tens of thousands already. Yeah, so like, where the hell are these healthcare workers going to come from? Yeah, well, even in right in the GTA itself, uh, with due to vaccine mandates, there's been a lot of healthcare workers that have been let go or who have just outright quit because they refused to reveal their vaccination status. Uh, I referred to a a 30-year paramedic a couple episodes ago. She was right right in Toronto who who was let go because she would not reveal her vaccination status. So, yeah, good luck staffing two new hospitals. And I just, I really think it's a cynical move on the Ford government, who likely was going to win anyway this election, to present this budget. And they've even got questioned by the the media on it that, okay, if you win, are you still going to present this budget as it is? And the finance minister was waffling about it even before the election is called. So... It's an election document. It's not a budget. Why can't you guys just be honest? Yeah, no, I mean, that's that's kind of embarrassing. It really I mean, is. 
I mean, if you're presenting a, a budget and then someone says, hey, in, uh, would you be willing to table the exact same budget in six weeks? <laughs> and they can't even say yes. Then you know that it's that the that the budget is uh, it's garbage. It's not worth the paper it's written on. Yeah, exactly. It just really uh, ticks me off that, like I say, I really think that Doug Ford is going to win anyway. Especially when you listen to some of the the tactics coming from the opposition. I mean, now the NDP and Liberal are musing about oh how how do we work together to defeat Doug Ford? So like, what are you gonna? not run candidates against each other? Like, how, how do you make that work? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm just getting, I'm just becoming ever more cynical about politics in Canada because of, of crap like this. Yeah, I mean, oh, absolutely. I mean, this, this kind of BS, the, you know, just how the the cost of living is getting out of control because the inflation rate is out of control. Housing costs are out of control. Everything is out of control. And and it, I mean the cost of diesel here is two dollars and ten cents a liter right now. It cost me two hundred and sixty dollars to fill my truck. The, and then and then a friend of mine who lives out in New Brunswick said the, the diesel out there is two dollars and forty five cents a liter. It's like. Like everything is just so out of control. I don't know how anybody can afford to live when they, if they make like fifty grand a year, which used to be decent. Um, and the governments are doing absolutely nothing to alleviate that pressure. Nothing. Oh, Lewis. Much as I, much as I admire you, as much as I like you, and as much as I love getting you upset, you're up, upset now because government is dropping the ball. What do we say on this show? There's more. Yeah. Bill C five. Now, Bill C five is a bill that is drafted to address systemic racism in the criminal justice system. That actually sounds pretty noble. But what does Bill C-5 actually do, should it be implemented into law? Well, it's going to repeal mandatory minimum sentences for about a dozen different crimes. Uh, what it's meant to do is to reduce the over-incarceration of Indigenous people and marginalized Canadians. Now, this part of it I got from my MP. He had uh, sent out a mail out saying that they actually, the goal is to make certain that inmates populations represent or reflect overall Canadian populations. So therefore you're going to have certain quotas and certain, you know, numbers, proportions of inmates from every ethnic group, every demographic. Beautiful. How do you enforce that? I like, really don't it, know. Shouldn't the inmate population be made up of people who are breaking the law? You think like I do. Oh, God. <laughs> now, um, you're going to love this one, Canada. The th These are just some of the crimes that Bill C-5 is going to reduce mandatory minimum sentences on. And, Lewis, you're going to like some of these, too. Now, these crimes range from aggravated sexual assault using a firearm. They're going to 
reduced to get rid of the mandatory minimum sentence for hostage-taking, use of a firearm, weapons trafficking, and drug trafficking, and, and as this says, other violent crimes. Yeah, and most of them have to do with firearms. And most of them have to do with firearms, smuggling being one of them. And they're not just the minor firearms offenses. They're the most severe firearms offenses that they're eliminating the minimum sentencing for. Now, I have a theory on this, and and it sounds very conspiratorial, but everything that has sounded conspiratorial over the past two years has turned out to be true. So bear with me. I believe that what they're doing is they are, you know, ramping up, banning certain firearms and all this kind of stuff. Like, it's been, like, over 1,800 different firearms since that ordering council was passed two years ago. Yet, they still don't have a buyback program for it, which the deadline has already passed. And um, they didn't have a buyback, so they extended it for, I believe, 18 months. Um, and, uh, at the same time, they're eliminating minimum sentencing for all these really severe firearms offenses so that the people who are committing these severe firearms offenses get right back out into society and do it again. And then they can claim that firearms offenses are are going through the roof and we need to ban all firearms. As much as that does sound like a conspiracy theory, and it does, it does sound like a conspiracy theory, how can we not interpret that 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 is the road we're going down? I don't know, because, I mean, they're already talking about a handgun ban now, even though licensed firearms owners in Canada are not the ones committing the crimes. No, that's right, but that, that that's going to be one of the planks of the Ontario Liberals uh, campaign in this upcoming election is a province-wide handgun ban in Ontario. Justin Trudeau and or Marco Mendicino are already offering municipalities $2 billion for municipalities to institute their own handgun bans. So yeah. if you if you think this government doesn't want to ban firearms, well, you got to think again. And if you want to know more about firearms regularly, like the restricted firearms uh, regulations in Canada that that covers uh, handguns, go listen to our last episode because Tony and I go over what is illegal and what is legal uh, in transporting handguns. And it's owning a handgun in Canada is such a pain in the ass that even though I have my license for it I am not going to buy one because it's pointless when I can't even use it to go out into the bush and target practice or use it on my own property I mean my property is not big enough to fire a handgun on it anyway but even if I had a thousand acres I wouldn't be allowed to um it's the 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 laws and regulations around restricted weapons um, are so tight in Canada that it just it makes no sense for me to even buy one right now, and so I haven't, and I'm licensed for it, 
And so, and, and I'll say this stat again and again and again and again. Licensed firearm owners in Canada are 300% less likely to commit a felony than non-firearms owning Canadians. So we are the safest demographic in the country and we're the ones with the deadly weapons. Yeah, no, that, that's right. And I mean, and again, Canada, you guys know this, that criminals don't give a crap about our gun laws, which is why criminals smuggle guns across the border and they'll have a shorter sentence for doing so now if they get caught, which most of them don't. Criminals don't care about your laws. Criminals aren't going to get out there and say, oh my gosh, we got one more regulation. I better make sure I comply with that. Criminals aren't going to take their handgun to the range unless they want to practice up so they can go and shoot somebody. Or in this case, I guess, uh, an aggravated sexual assault using a firearm. So you think about what that means, Canada, because that scares the hell out of me. Well, and I mean, if you think about it, look at the the Nova Scotia shooter. I'm not going to make mention his name because I don't want to give him any publicity. Nope. But the Nova Scotia shooter used, uh, a, I believe, a, a Ruger Mini 14 and a couple other uh, firearms. I don't know if an AR-15 was part of it or not. Um, but. Every single gun he used was smuggled in over the border from the U.S., and he did the smuggling. That's right. And the only other gun he used that he didn't smuggle from over the border, he took off a police officer that he killed. So... None of the guns that he used did he get in Canada legally or otherwise. He didn't get them in Canada because our gun laws work. Yep, that's right. And you said on this show several times, our gun laws work. So how about we look at the border? Yeah, because it's obviously, the border is obviously as porous as... Uh, um, as a as a junior B goalie, I mean, it's like you can get anything across the border between Canada and the U.S. Obviously, yeah. I mean, they, they even they even found out who the two people were in the U.S. that helped him get the guns that he used in the Nova Scotia shooting, and they're not even facing criminal charges for it. Yeah, I wonder about that. I wonder if perhaps because it's legal for them to sell that weapon in Maine. So I, I wonder if that's how they get off. I really I don't, don't know. know. Because what they did was they, they helped a foreign a foreigner uh, buy, buy guns. He wasn't legally allowed to buy guns. Uh, like he couldn't buy the guns in the U.S., but they helped him do it. Oh, I see. So what they did was actually illegal. The, the article I read actually says that what they did was illegal, but they're not going to be facing charges. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it makes you wonder. There's a lot about that case that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, you're right. There's a lot that doesn't add up, and they uh, 
Well, and the inquiry itself is actually, you know, got a little air of suspicion around it because there's a lot of questions about the integrity of the inquiry itself. I know we don't hear much about it anymore. I, uh, maybe I should start looking into that again because that, that, that is something that, that uh, has kept my interest. So Yeah, yeah. All right, Canada. Well, I think we're going to wrap it up there. So um, I want to thank you for joining us. You can look forward to a couple of rants this week. The uh, Conservative Party of Canada's leadership ballot is almost set. There are still two candidates waiting to be approved, and there are others that are approved. So I'll uh, I'll bring that update to you when I get it. And I'm sure you'll probably hear us talk about what else is on our mind. So until then, thank you for joining us. It is Tony in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in BC. Good night. Good night, Canada. and Tony.